finishing up the series on the, the fearless series where I've been preaching out of Daniel. Uh, you guys, have, have you gotten a lot out of that series? Um, and has it stirred a hunger to spend time in his word? Rich, you know, you, you preached my message, man. I mean, I can just, I can just give the call to salvation, you know, and, and see what he did is he showed me up. He's like, see, I want to show you that I can preach your message in 30 seconds. So, so, hey, you know what? That was, that was just foreshadowing, man. That was awesome. Uh, that was the appetizer. That was good. Um, so we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, um, and it wraps up this series. But this whole series has uh, been on the topic of being fearless, of being fearless. You guys, the enemy uses fear as a major thing in our lives to grip our lives. Fear can eat us and just tear us apart. Fear of many different things. And I'm not talking about, you know, fear of snakes or fear of sharks or fear of spiders or, you know, you know, that type of fear. You know, but those things are kind of creepy too. I, I hate snakes, but that's not, you know, fear of, of being alone. Fear of not being accepted. Fear of uh, being rejected. Fear of, you name it. Whatever the enemy wants to attack us with when it comes to fear, you know, if if we don't stand against it in the Word of God, it can grip our lives. So in this series, I've been talking about being fearless before men. And and here's why. Here's why. And I, I'm going to be directing a lot of this um, to our young people. So if you feel like I'm like staring at you guys tonight, I am. I totally am. Um, we all want to be accepted. We all we all want to be liked. And, and we all want, you know, to, to fit in. But that cannot override our desire to please God. What needs to stand out above that, being liked by our peers and accepted by our peers, is, is knowing that we are loved and liked and accepted and admired and adored by our God. And His favor is an awesome thing if we will stand firm in the plan he has for us. His favor is a powerful thing. And we're going to look at Daniel. Daniel was the epitome of that. Daniel was a stud. I mean, he talked about someone who was godly and strong and honorable. That was Daniel. So we're going to read all of Daniel 6 and then I'll come back and then we'll kind of touch on it. But before we do, uh, let's just bow our heads and and, uh, set our eyes on Jesus. Lord Jesus, we look to you and, and we thank you for this opportunity to come together as yours, as your church, as your people, and to be fed by you. So right now, as an act of our will, we open up our hearts and our minds. We set our attention on you, Lord, not on anything else. So Lord, we say, speak to us. Let this moment not be wasted. Let your life that comes through your word not pass us by, but let it grab a hold of our hearts and bring strengthening, encouragement, and change as you desire, Lord. So, Father, I yield to you and I say, have your way. Let it be your words that are heard and not mine or me, Lord. And, Lord, bless Tim Tebow. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) All right. No, no, hey, Tim Tebow, God bless him. So, I want to read some words to you. And I just want you to keep in mind who wrote these words, who said these words. And I will say, you know, don't, it's not Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, it's, it's in Scripture. Okay? 
Peace to you. Abundant peace. Daniel's God shall be worshipped and feared in all parts of the kingdom. For he is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never fails. His rule continues eternally. He is a savior and rescuer. He performs astonishing miracles in heaven and on earth. He saved Daniel from the power of the lions. We're going to see the answer to that um, in this passage because it was King Darius, king of Babylon. We're going to go ahead and read through through all of Daniel chapter 6 and then, then we'll come back. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel one of the captives from Judah is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. 
A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in English, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So, yeah, that's an awesome passage. Yeah, it fires me up. Uh, I've said it throughout this series. One of my goals and one of my prayers was that we would develop a hunger to spend time in his word through through this series, that it would it would just burn within us. Where that, yeah, I want to be in His Word. His Word is good. This is this is good stuff, and this is this is great stuff. I could honestly, and I'm not going to, but I could stop right now and close in prayer. And we have had church. We heard the Word of God. We were encouraged by the Word of God. When we take time, the, the words that are coming forth today, take time, take a moment. When we take time just to be with God. Lord, you're not getting my, my hand-me-downs right now. Lord, you're getting my time. I'm not doing anything else. If the phone rings, I'm not answering. If I get a text, I'm not replying. I'm just going to spend time with you. I don't care what's on TV. I'm just going to be with you. When we do that, you guys, God is so faithful. He does not withhold his voice from us, and, and we grow and we're strengthened. So in... My desire to just kind of make this passage come alive, that's you know why I'm going to kind of go back over and, and share some of this, just so we can go, man, there's great stuff in there. We just read it, and I didn't even know that's in there, but there's good stuff. So the first thing, reading this passage, that just jumps out at me and that we need to keep in the back of our minds. When we live lives honorable, full of integrity, representing Jesus Christ with trustworthiness to the world. And we stand faithful and fearless in what we believe. And we do so lovingly and faith-filled. 
It brings glory to God to the point that others will testify about God's goodness and others will be swayed. That is what this message is. Our lives being a living example representing Jesus Christ. And because of it, other people's they will declare and say, their God is the one true God. His kingdom will never end. He is faithful. He lifted her from the most dire of circumstances. He provided him in ways that no man could provide. He is God. Our lives, when we cling to, to the Lord and trust him, they, they should be a living testimony, giving praise of how good our God is. So let's go back to, to verse 1, and we're just going to read the first little bit, and then I'll kind of expand. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So I want to point out some obvious things. Darius just came in and, and kicked butt and took names. By the way, when I was playing football, I always wanted to carry a piece of pad with me. And when I knock someone down, I want to be like, what's your name? What? What's, what's your name? I write it down. They're like, what are you doing? I'm just kicking butt and taking names. You know, I never did it, but it would have been, it would have been hilarious. So anyways, I mean, that's what Darius, they, they came in and they whooped up and they, they took over Babylon. They took over uh, the kingdom. So Darius is a new king. Daniel was over 90 years old. Daniel had served kings faithfully for decades. But immediately upon Darius coming in, Daniel was recognized as one of three men to rule over the high administrators. So given authority, given charge um, right away. And the defining traits of Daniel in the eyes of these other people who were envious is that this guy is just too good. He's too trustworthy. He's too honorable. He has too much integrity. We can't find a flaw in him. Now, I want to say something right now. God has not called us to be perfect, and none of us could live up to that standard. And Daniel wasn't perfect. He wasn't Jesus. He just, he had, a, he had honor and integrity. We're not called to be perfect, but we are called to be trustworthy. Because when we go out there into the world and we take the news of Jesus Christ... We take the news of Jesus Christ and we better be trustworthy. Our lives better match the goodness of God that we're talking about. We better be able to, to have something on our own merit, a character that, that points to God's faithfulness. If we just talk the talk and don't walk the walk, we're called hypocrites and we're called frauds and we turn people away from Jesus. Now, that is not being perfect because we can blow it and go... Dang it, I blew it again. I blew it again. Lord, I'm sorry. And you can even turn to people and go, man, I'm sorry. God's doing work in me. He's not done yet. But thank God my God is faithful. I, I can turn to him 
So God didn't call me to be perfect. He just called me to be quick to repent. So I'm, I'm sorry you had to see that. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is incredible. The best tips I got when I was a server, when I, when I blew something, when I messed something up, like, buddy, I ordered like cheesy bread 15 minutes ago. And you're like, damn, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me get you cheesy bread. That is on me. That's not even on the manager. That's on me. I'm sorry. And then I just give that person, you know, those were the nights I got the best tips. Because you're just real. Nah, I, that's not the kitchen's fault. That's my fault. That's integrity. God has called us to be trustworthy, and we have to be trustworthy because we're taking His message out there. So the the vice regents and governors, the administrators, they tried to find something against Him, and they couldn't. H- how long would it take if someone tried to? dig up a, a skeleton in your closet. How, how long would that take? Like 30 seconds? for Like, 50, like 5 seconds for me. <laughs> 2 seconds for Hawk. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take long, right? It wouldn't take long. So we see that they couldn't find anything, so they found something to come against through his religion. But we look at this, and Darius favored Daniel. His favor was upon him. He served righteously. He was trustworthy. So trustworthy that this new conquering king says, I don't know this guy, but I, I want to trust him with everything. I want to trust him with the entire kingdom. He's that trustworthy. No doubt in my mind. You're going to trust somebody with your kingdom? You have no doubt in your mind that he is trustworthy. So they tried to come up with something and they, they decided to manipulate. Let's start with the next verse in five. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days. Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Let's go back just to the beginning of that verse. We are all in agreement your majesty. Is that true? Because we know for sure there's at least one that wouldn't consent, right? I mean, there's at least one that would say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. I don't have, you don't have my vote. And that's Daniel, right? But these, these administrators come into the king saying, we're all in agreement. They might as well have said, we're all in agreement, even Daniel. Oh yeah, yeah, we're all in agreement. This is good, king. You, should be exalted. Even Daniel, who, who prays to his God, agrees that for the next 30 days, you're the one that should be exalted. It's a good thing, King. These men came in there with manipulation and deception and lying. Daniel has been lied about. Young people, you ever been lied about? Anybody ever said something about you that wasn't true? And it hurts. And it makes you mad. You're immediately looking for a solution, right? How do I fix this? Always turn to him first because he wants to fix it. Always turn to Jesus first. So Daniel knew that this law was made against him. And because he knew this, he stood his ground knowing that he now had an 
incredible opportunity to honor God among men. He, he, he saw the writing on the wall. As soon as he heard that this law had been decreed, he knew everything that had taken place. He didn't look to, how can I sway the king? How can I get out of this? How can He looked and said, there's an opportunity for my God to move, for my God to be faithful. Pious disobedience. Pious disobedience. That's a phrase that has been used to describe what Daniel chose to do. His response was honorable and trustworthy. There could have been many responses. He could have just simply gone to the countryside for a month. I'm going to take a little vacation. I'm going to go to the countryside for a month. I'm going to sit tight. I'll pray to God. No one will ever question it. I know this will be good with the king. The king knows me. He knows I do this. I'm just going to have a little retreat for 30 days. Or he could have decided to fight the power. I'm going to bring it to the people. I'm going to fight the power. This is injustice, and I'm going to stand against it. He's been lied to and manipulated, and the king deserves to know he's been lied to and manipulated. That's not what he chose to do. What did he choose to do? When he learned that the law had been signed, he went home, and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done giving thanks to his God. He went home and prayed. He went home and prayed. And and he didn't do it behind closed doors. He opened his windows and just as usual. He didn't choose choose distracting times. Okay, now they know I pray at 8 and they know I I pray at 2 and they know I pray at 8 again. Symmetry, I gotta have symmetry. You know, no, he he didn't say, okay, I'm gonna pray at 6 and then I'm gonna pray at four, and then we'll stay up till midnight and pray. No, he didn't do any of those things. He said, God's been faithful to me, so I will be faithful to him. And he was faithful to God. Now, just a, a little side note. Um, you know, it says that Daniel prayed towards Jerusalem. Why did Daniel pray towards Jerusalem? Does anybody know why Daniel prayed facing towards Jerusalem? Uh, I just found this. I didn't know until... Uh, doing this research. It was just one of those cool things. When the temple was dedicated, Solomon made a prayer. Uh, and and he, had, he was very prayerful to the Lord about what he wanted for the people. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, 48 and 49, this was Solomon's prayer that his people should, it says, if they turn to you with their whole heart and soul in the land of their enemies and pray toward the land you gave to their ancestors, toward this city you have chosen and toward this temple... I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers. If they do this, Lord, hear their prayers and their petition from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. And so it was just a reminder. Solomon reminded them, said, hey, you're going to be in, there's times you're going to be in the land of your enemy. And when you pray, if you will face Jerusalem, face this city, face this temple, face this place where God has shown his faithfulness and remember the faithfulness of God, God will hear your prayers. But set your hearts and set your Direction towards this, towards this place, and remember that God is good. I just thought that was one of those cool little side notes, you know. That we, when reading that, going, yeah, there was actually purpose in in what He did. Verse eleven. 
Together the officials went, then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So then they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Uh, yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Remember, at this time, the king's like, yeah, you guys were all in agreement. You know, yeah, it, that's true. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captains from Judah, is ignoring you in your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. So this, this struck me very interesting. The king was immediately deeply troubled. His response wasn't fury or outrage. He was deeply troubled. One of the first things that I'm sure crossed his mind is, I have been conned. I have been duped. I have been manipulated. And Daniel wasn't in agreement with this at all. There's no way he could have been. I've been lied to. How can I get Daniel out of this? And then he starts thinking, you know, I signed a decree and I can always change the law, but then, dang it, I, I went a step further and I signed it with this oath that it would be stamped under the seal of the, the Medes and the Persians. You know, that's like, you know, swearing on your mama's grave. You swear? Yeah, I swear. You swear on your mama's grave? Yeah, yeah, I swear my mom was grave. You know, they was just kicking it up a notch. Here's why this is interesting to me. How many times do we make an ungodly oath and we refuse to bend it? We refuse to bend our will for whatever prior reason, for whatever could be a, what we think is an honorable reason, but we, for, we refuse to bend it to God's will because we made someone, we made ourselves a promise. Well, I'm, you know, I think of, you know, Kara, when she was younger, she said, God, and she was, she gave her life to the Lord at a young age, and but she said, Lord, when I turn, after I'm 21, I will serve you. I will serve you wholeheartedly. I'll give it all to you. But I want to experience, I want to experience that party life when I'm 21. But after that, God, I will serve you. I will, I'll give it all to you, but I need that time. And then, of course, when we were 19, she said, Lord, you have me now. You have me now. I'm not going to stand by what I, I had declared before. Lord, I, I'm going to stand by you now. Before I'm anything, I'm a Christian. Before I'm anything, I'm a Christian. I love my country. You come to my house and there's a ball game on, and they do the national anthem, we stand up, we cover our hearts, we don't say a word. You can be like, Mark, where's ketchup? Nothing. You can get a reply. Uh, Mark, pizza guy's at the door. You can wait. You know, we, I love my country. But before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The king at this point cared more about standing under the seal of national loyalty than, than doing what he knew to be right. That's why the king 
couldn't just back out because he'd aligned his word with another standard. He had signed his name to another standard. Our standard is Jesus Christ. The standard that we align ourselves to is Jesus Christ. The standard that we sign our name to is Jesus Christ. That's what we align ourselves with. Verse 15. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you've had all day. They came to him in the morning. He spent all day thinking about a way to get Daniel out. You know that according to the law, it can't be changed. You know, you've, you've, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I'm telling you right now, the king was conflicted. The king was conflicted. He did not want to do this. He did not want to throw him into the lion's den. But there was a standard he felt like he had to uphold that he did not go back on. But he was conflicted. He didn't want to do it. Everything about what we see represents that that he was torn and distressed and conflicted. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his noble so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. I imagine him like in Yoda pajamas. Just He gets up, throws on his robe and his Yoda jammies. And he's, he, he, but very early, he gets up and heads over to the, uh, to the den. When he got there, he called out in anguish. Why anguish? Because he wasn't expecting to see Daniel. He was not expecting to see Daniel. He knows what happens when, when fresh meat gets dropped into the lion's den. In anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? That was pretty much him talking to himself because he was not expecting the response. I love the response. Long live the king! Daniel answered, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they wouldn't hurt me. I've been found innocent in his sight. And I haven't wronged you, your majesty. I love the honorable response Daniel has. He'd been in with lions all night. Not a scratch on him. And he wasn't mad. He wasn't ticked. He was like, sucker, you got five minutes. Because if God did this with lions, what's he going to do to you when I get out there? You know, he wouldn't know. It was, long live the king. And I haven't wronged you, your, your highness. Now, I, I love, you know, I, 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 when I read, I imagine. I'm like, I'm imagining things. What's he wearing? And what's he looking like? And, and so, you know, I imagine the lions. All right? It says, you know, that he um, shut the lion's mouth so they wouldn't hurt me. So I imagine, you know, as soon as, Daniel gets down there and there's, you know, the angel of the Lord like this and and they come close and they're like, whoa, and one of the lions like, hey, Leo, you can take him. Leo's like, he's huge. you got a big old sword. Leo, you can take him. You're the baddest cat in the jungle. Just, you got him, Leo. Come on. And Leo's like, you really think so? And the other guy's like, oh yeah, Leo, you're the man. 
And so, you know, I don't know how the angel of the Lord shut us. I don't know if Leo was brave enough to be like, you know, and come in and the angel was like, bloop, you know, and then he was like, that's me being nice. I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but he shut their mouths. Shut their mouths. Not a scratch was found on him. Imagine the confidence. You're in a lion's den. You're trusting in God. You either saw the angel of the Lord or you saw the results of the angel of the Lord, but you knew the angel of the Lord was there. Imagine the... How long did it take for Daniel to get up and be like, he's a good kitty. You like that behind the ear? He's a good... You know, how long? Because he didn't just sit there. I guarantee you he didn't just sit there hoping that it lasted. Hoping that the favor of the Lord stayed upon his life. Lord, I'm, I know for the last four hours you've kept them off, but Lord, I'm hoping, Lord, it, it doesn't wear out. How long is this going to, no. Why do, why, do we, why do we think the favor of God is going to fade off our lives? Why do we think the goodness of the Lord can't last for long? Well, too many good things have happened to me. Something's bound to happen. Why, why do we have that mindset? We're called to have a fearless mindset. Our God is good. His favor was upon us. And His favor was upon Daniel. And he wasn't touched, wasn't scratched. Verse 23. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. I want to point out just for you guys that the, the King Darius at this point, you know, he was still a heathen. He, you know, he, you know, he was still a, a bad guy. I mean, they, they just, he hadn't quite found the truth of Jesus Christ yet. So, you know, feeding the, the kids the lion was a bit excessive. But, you know, that's what he felt like he had to do. So then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. This is the passage I read to you. This is the passage that started us off. Now, here's what's interesting. As he's declaring peace and prosperity, as he's declaring the goodness of God and all the things that the Lord has done, he obviously changes the law, goes against the law of the Medes and the Persians, and changes the law, changes the stance, breaks the the 30-day prayer ban. Which shows he could have done that at any time. He could have done that at any time. Why is that important? Because so many times we institute those kind of bans on ourselves, And we have friends that do it. We have people that we know that do it. And it's oftentimes along these lines. I'll give my life to the Lord as soon as I get my, my stuff together. But I'm, I'm so jacked up right now. I'm so unclean. I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve it. You don't know what I've done. I don't deserve it. So after I get myself together, then I'll give my life to Him. Because see, we think then our life would be more valuable at that point. That, that's what that really is. It's, my life is not valuable right now. But when I clean it up, it'll be valuable, and then I'll give it to him. And that's not the way it works. 
That's not the way it works. The, the most valued point of our life is when it's that darkest, dirtiest spot. And we trust Him with it. When it's unclean and unworthy. And we go, Lord, I know I need you. Now more than ever. You look at the plans of the enemy. You look at the things of the enemy. This this prayer band, how long was it for? How long did these manipulative men and administrators propose this prayer band take place? Do you guys remember? 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. I did some research and, and I, I already knew the answer. But how long do you think most experts agree that it takes to quit a bad habit? 28 days is what most people, you know, I don't know why 28 days, not 30 days, but let's just go ahead and round up. The plan of the enemy was that, now I think that Daniel would be killed by lions, but that Daniel would just compromise or sell out for 30 days and hopefully lose that habit of spending time with God. Daniel was never asked to bow before an idol like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was never asked to do some ungodly thing like bowing before an idol. He was simply asked to stop doing what he had done so faithfully. Hey, I'm not asking you to do something ungodly, buddy. I'm just asking you to give it a rest for a little bit. Just just chill. Just don't be so much on the Jesus talk. It offends people. Just no one likes the Christian music. It, you, know, you know, play something a little funkier. I mean, you know, whatever. Daniel was asked just to stop doing something that he had already done. We get that message a lot in the world. It's, hey, um, don't be offensive. Don't, don't be so Christian. You know? Now, it usually comes in, in much more direct ways. Hey, don't be so preachy. And you're like, dude, all I did was said Jesus love you. Yeah, I know. Holy, don't be preachy. I, I just said Merry Christmas. Yeah, I know. I know, right? You guys, we are called to be fearless. We're called to be fearless. This, what, this passage, this chapter, man, it's amazing. Look at the loving, kind, honorable way that Daniel responded to the king. Why did he respond that way? Because his life was one of honor and integrity and trust in God. What was the downfall of the other administrators? That they were dishonest. They were manipulative. You know, my definition of manipulation, this is what I think manipulation is. Manipulation is anytime we intervene so that we help God so that we can have our way. Manipulation, manipulation is about us ultimately wanting our way. And when we intervene and try and help God instead of trusting Him 
so that we can have our way. Now, these men weren't godly men, but we see the end result of their life of that lacked honor, that lacked integrity. Young people, the Bible says that your yeses be yes and your noes be no. Are you a Christian? Yes. You're a Christian. Yes. You go to church. Mm-hmm. You think Jesus is real? Really? Yeah. I know he's real. I can tell you about him. Our lives are called to be honorable. To have integrity. And we're called to be trustworthy. I don't care what industry or business we're in. We're called to be trustworthy. Our employers should want us to run the kingdom. To run the empire. Why? Because we're trustworthy. When our lives are lived according to his plan and not necessarily our plan, but his plan. That plan is for good things and that plan is for blessing and joy and peace. And with him, with Jesus Christ in the center, when our lives are lived according to his plan and they're lived with faithfulness towards him, we don't have to worry about his favors upon us. It's upon us. We don't have to worry about what men think, which for the most part, it'll be good. Friends, God's going to speak a different application to each one of us. Okay? The ways that, the fears we have, the things that that are difficult for us, each one of it's different. So he's going to apply this differently to our lives. But our response has to be the same. Jesus, I trust you. And I fear not. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And there, there's only one perfect love, and that's our God. So he conquered fear. He cast out fear. So the times that we are fearful, we can turn and say, Lord, I set my eyes on you and your perfect love, and I receive it, and fear be gone. When you're feeling alone, when you're feeling depressed, when you're like, I just I feel so alone. Am I going to be alone forever? You can say, Jesus, I set my eyes on you and fear be gone. Not because I said so, but because Jesus said so. It's not a complicated message, Jesus Christ. It's really not. Trust him. Trust him. His way is right. He's right. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to the Father except through Him.